Welcome to Market Week in Review for the week ending June 24, 2022. I'm Sophie Antelgibert, and I'm joined today by our investment strategy analyst, Bei Chen Lin. Hi, Bei Chen. How are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Very good, thank you. It's a pleasure to see you. So maybe starting with inflation, which has been top of everybody's mind, right, sort of inflation and the connection to potential recession and that sort of thing. We had some new inflation numbers come out um, just this week can, in Canada and in Europe. Um, can you give us a bit of a picture of what did we see and what is your read of those numbers? Sure. So one thing I'll say is that in North America, we're finally seeing the start of summer and high temperatures are not the only thing that we're seeing making record highs. Inflation rates, as you mentioned, in many countries across the world are climbing to levels not seen since the 1980s. So if we look at Canada, for example, the May CPI numbers were released earlier this week, and what we saw was that the inflation rate reached 7.7%. That's up from 6.8% in the previous month. And a key driver of that increase in the inflation rate was energy prices. In fact, energy prices in Canada rose by almost 35% in the month of May. Even when you strip out the effect of volatile items like food and energy and you look at some of the core measures, the CPI median measure, which is one of the Bank of Canada's core measures of inflation, that increased at a rate of 4.9% year over year in May, up from a revised 4.6% in the previous month. So what we're seeing is that inflation is increasing and inflation is also broadening out. And in terms of the UK, the UK inflation rate was 9.1% year over year in May and that was an increase from 9.0% in the month before that. And you might think, hmm, that's only a 0.1% increase, but you know what? That UK inflation rate is actually the highest rate of inflation out of all the G7 countries. And furthermore, the Bank of England is projecting that that inflation rate could hit as high as 11% later this year. So there's definitely ongoing concerns about the inflation rate, and ultimately, it's going to put a lot more pressures on the central bank to do more to try to keep inflation under control. We think that the high inflation in Canada, for example, is going to cause the Bank of Canada to likely raise interest rates by 75 basis points at its next meeting in July. Wow. Okay. So inflation is climbing. It seems like, you know, higher inflation numbers, like the Richter scale, is not a good thing. You don't want, we want temperatures in the summer to go up, but we do not want Richter scales and inflation to be going up quite that much. Obviously, I'm sure you mentioned central banks, the Fed also, they're all watching these inflation numbers very carefully. They're also watching PMIs, and we just got some PMI releases, um, data releases. What picture are we seeing there, and what, what picture are those numbers telling us? So the tough part for the central banks is we know they're going to have to raise interest rates to get inflation back down. But at the same time, they have also have to keep a close eye on the state of the economy as a whole, because what they don't want to do is raise rates too aggressively to the point where the economy could potentially tip into a recession. So they've got a, a tight balancing act to navigate to really try to pull off what we call a soft landing. Now, when we look at the PMI data for the U.S., what we saw was a, a decline. So the PMI came in at around 51. That means that overall economic activity was still increasing, but the rate of growth in economic activity was slowing down. And if we zoom in on the manufacturing side of the equation, the manufacturing PMI came in at 49.6 in the U.S., which is below 50. And what that tells us is there's actually a slowdown in the manufacturing sector in the month of June. 
And that mirrors some of the earlier data points that we got out of the Philly Fed manufacturing survey, which also pointed to weakness in the manufacturing in the US. If we look across the pond in the UK, we're seeing similar results. Although the headline number in terms of a PMI stayed unchanged month over month, we saw the manufacturing PMI in the UK dip on a month over month basis. In Europe, we saw the composite PMI dip to a 16 month low, and we also saw weakness in the manufacturing side as well. So there are concerns that perhaps we are starting to see signs of the economy slowing down. And as central banks around the world continue to raise interest rates, that's something we really got to keep a close eye on because we know that as interest rates tick higher, it's going to have that effect of moderating demand. Moderating demand a little bit is a good thing. It helps bring demand and supply back into balance. But if that moderation comes too quickly, then there is a heightened potential of recession risk. So that's something that we are closely monitoring. Right. Another thing that I know is uh, forefront on, on your mind and on your team's mind is, um, is the Treasury yield. I know you've been very closely watching the two-year U.S. Treasury bond yield, and, and that moved a little bit this week. Um, can you tell us what's happening there? Sure. So some people, th when they hear the term fixed income, they think it means, oh, bonds are not going to move much in terms of prices. But we actually saw a pretty significant move in the bond yield. So earlier this month, the two-year U.S. bond yield was hovering at around 3.4% or so. But today, the two-year bond yield dipped as low as 2.87% before climbing back up to around 3%. And part of the reason that we saw the declines in the bond yields was really because of some concerns about economic growth. As we talked about a little bit earlier, the PMIs came in on the weak side, both the services and manufacturing PMI in the U.S. came in below consensus expectations. And that's really causing investors to become a little bit more concerned about whether or not the Fed can pull off that soft landing scenario. So if we're looking at the near term, we see that in July, investors are still expecting the Federal Reserve to raise interest rates by 75 basis points. But if we look into the future to, say, March of 2023, yesterday, investors were expecting that the Fed could get rates up to 3.78%. But today, investors are now thinking the Fed probably can only get interest rates up to 3.46% because of the concerns about economic growth and the potential of the Fed over-tightening and raising interest rates too much. And so when bond yields are falling, that's a good thing if you're an investor in bonds because it means that the bonds that you're investing in are now more valuable. So that will help your portfolio. And one thing I want to say is that you know, we do not think a recession is inevitable. We think that there is still a chance that the Fed can pull off a soft or softish landing, but investors ultimately do have to be aware of the risks. They shouldn't be panicked. They should stay disciplined. And ultimately, that will help them to achieve their investment goals and objectives. I like the optimism in the soft-ish landing. If it can't be soft, we'll settle for soft-ish. That's, that's good in a recession situation. And I definitely um, agree with you about the, if we don't know what's going to happen in the future, then stick to, you know, stick to your central sort of position and your strategic long-term asset allocation. Well, thank you so much, Bei Chen. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for today, but really appreciate your insights. And thank you for joining us. We'll be back again soon.